Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. Alrighty. Hello, how are we? Welcome back. Welcome. I always get thrown when you say how are we. Why? I like asking how people how are. How are you today? I hope they're doing well. That's, yeah, that's nice of you. It's very sweet. Um, so it's been a while since we report, recorded a podcast together. Yeah. I think the last one you did might have been your one with Luke. Yeah, yeah, probably a fortnight ago. We've been so sick. We have Just been. Just so sick. Oh, my God. <laughs> As you, you can hear it. You really. can hear it in my voice still. When I wouldn't say we're sick now, like I wouldn't say we're infectious, but it's lingered on. Oh, we've we've got the black lung right now. It's just so much like just gunk in our chest that's yeah. just leaving our bodies. Yeah. You wake up each morning after like eight nine hours of sleep and just a whole bloody garbage field of gunk just exits your yeah. nose and mouth. I coughing fit. You start your day with like a coughing fit to just get rid of like. That beautiful, sweet green green. <laughs> yeah, almost every time I laugh, that happens too. Yeah, I think that's the emphysemas. Th- there was so much happening. Like, obviously, Christmas happened, and for me in salon, that's my busiest time of year. I was working extended hours, making a ton of cash, which was lovely. Yeah, you did well. <clears throat> that was, it was a nice boost for you, wasn't it? You, yeah. were, you were quite stressed about money before Leading that, like that. few weeks before Christmas. It was. Um, definitely getting to a bit many emotional moments yeah um but yeah it was nice to see you have like a huge uptick in people coming to see you and therefore wealth coming in and it settled you a lot yeah and to that I think I I just need to make peace with the fact that running your own business is up and down and it is uncertain and you're going to have busy periods and you're not going to have busy periods and most of the time it actually works out in my favor. So like the quiet periods, like for instance, this week just gone, I was sick and it happened to be a quiet period. Mm. So I only needed to reschedule a couple of clients and that feels way better than having to reschedule 10, 15 clients. Mm -hmm. So like, thank you universe. And yeah, yeah, I have to make peace with that. But I was, so uh, I got sick from having to have a whooping cough I didn't have to. I chose. Yeah. I got sick from having the whooping cough. Then vaccine. I, vaccine. Yeah, not like you got whooping cough. I did not have whooping yeah. cough. Yeah. Um. Really, really unwell from that, and then got better. Working sucked, by the way. Like that, it made me quite angry in some sense. I was quite fine, but the, watching you, how sick you got from this shot, because everyone kind of makes out that like vaccines have almost no downside whatsoever but like if you like you missed out on earning money effectively because of that shot yeah um and yeah it it literally railed you for several days yeah and you've just now had like your immune system's been out of whack and then we got sick again yeah and so like yeah there's definitely like not to bash on vaccinations but i'm bashing on vaccinations a bit. <laughs> but yeah but it definitely it... has a cost and people should consider that in some sense like if you're if you've got a busy period in life coming up probably consider taking those kinds of things in a quieter period where it's not going to inhibit you because you can have some reactions to it yeah and i think i was already i was fighting something off like two weeks prior to that, which is why I didn't go and get it earlier mm. because I knew if I go and get this while I have a bit of a tickle in my throat, yeah. I'm going to be so sick. So yeah. I waited until I was 100% yeah. and then I got it. And I've had this before. I had it when I was little multiple mm. times. I yeah. had it when my sister was born and it doesn't It doesn't seem to matter. I don't – obviously, I don't remember how I reacted those times. Yeah. I, but – you're very sensitive. Like I think you've probably got some kind of hyperactive immune disorder. Like your immune system, even with just like your food intolerances, is in some sense I would probably assume an immune disorder. Like your your body constantly attacks itself. I think you would probably want to be one of the people that might be a candidate for actually not receiving vaccinations in some sense because of the intensity in which you react to things Mm. um it it, yeah in some cases it might be especially maybe as you get older 
Mm. Um, it might be more risky for you going into old age, years and years and years away, obviously. But um, yeah, it's kind of a weird one for you. Whereas I was perfectly fine, Yeah. Um, which was good. Yeah, um, the reaction you had is the reaction I remember having to another yeah, one I got. Yeah, just sore arm yeah. um, and just dealt with that, which is which was nice. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, uh, I guess it, you get some a little bit of hesitancy going into getting vaccinated in that regard again post getting COVID jabs because we were railed by the COVID jabs. That Those things made us sicker than COVID did when we caught it the first time. Yeah. Um, and so, it, yeah, there was some apprehension going into it. But I guess we were doing it in a sense for a noble cause. One of our friends just had a baby. Yeah. Um, Luca brought into the world, mm-hmm. uh, which has been really beautiful. And yeah. he's such a healthy little baby very cute so chill yeah such a chill kid with mm. yeah definitely got his dad's genes in that <laughs> um uh. but yeah so we we wanted to i guess do our part even though we didn't particularly want to do it but yeah if it meant seeing our one friends. of our closest f- friends um having their first baby and in our friend group one of the first babies to pop up it was special we wanted to be part of it mm-hmm. which was cool yeah so that yeah, that was, I guess, another... It, that was an exciting thing that happened during the busy period too. Yeah. The birth of a kind of nephew, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would picture us as auntie-uncle kind of scenario for sure. Yeah. Well, we were literally at their Christmas <laughs> event. Or, yeah. Yeah. I know all the cousins by name. Mm-hmm. And then, so, Christmas period happened. It gets pretty busy because... Oh, I chose to see my grandparents this year mm-hmm. and my parents are split. So you got to do the, the jump from one house to another house to another house, <laughs> uh, which can get pretty hectic. Um, many naps are needed. And, you know, I, I made lots of food because that was that's what I wanted to contribute to Christmas this year. And it makes it fun. Yeah, I remember in high school being jealous of the kids who had split parents because they got so many more presents. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny that now I've married into that scenario, I'm actually benefiting it as an adult because mm. now Ashley's parents, both sides, buy me different presents. Yeah, <laughs> so true. I'm getting double the presents now, which is so nice in some sense, but also just hilarious to think about. It's like, yeah. So, uh <laughs> Pro tip to anyone who wants extra presents on Christmas, marry someone who's got split divorce <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, and then uh, Chaz went camping recently. Yeah, just came back from camping on Fraser Island, which is an island just off the coast of Queensland. Um, and it, you have to get there from effectively driving two hours to get to the beach and then you drive onto the beach catch a barge across to the island and then the island's massive like if you looked at it on the map look like zoom in on google maps onto queensland and then just look off the coast east coast of queensland and the island's probably I would say a quarter of the length of Queensland in, in that perspective. Like it's, it's quite big and where we camped, you get dropped off and we had to drive all the way down the island, drive all the way around it, all the way back up to the very tippy top and then back down almost to the point where we started. However, there's like this section where you can't drive through. So we literally had to do the full loop of the island to get to the point where we were camping. So it was so much travel time and the cut roads through the center of the island is really really rough terrain and so you have to have like quite a heavy duty four-wheel drive to um get through it luckily enough my friends are quite splurgy with their money (laughs) and uh they all drive relatively good four four by fours and so we, we were conquering that pretty easily but when you're out there you know you see people even towing like camper trailers some people are even keen enough to tow a caravan or you've got like short wheel based uh four-wheel drives like your suzuki jimny and things like that Mm. and they don't handle that kind of terrain very well when you're cutting through Mm. like very capable vehicles but because they've got that short wheelbase when you go over the bumps you just get shaken to all hell 
Whereas the longer wheelbases with the bigger tires and the better suspension, those things, if you're moving fast enough, will glide over the bumps. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting, like noticing that anytime you got caught behind a whole heap of people, because a lot of the time it's one way. And so you've got people coming in and out of the same tracks one way. You have to like rip the steering wheel off to the left and pull into like these little divots to allow people to go up and through or you get cut like stuck behind people who are just super super slow drivers because they've either got terrible cars for the terrain not terrible but like cars that need to go slower over that terrain um or they're just novice drivers and they're not confident and like i don't blame them because you're on a single lane and you've got trees everywhere on either side or maybe drop-offs and so on really bumpy terrain, you could make a mistake quite easily. Almost everyone had some kind of accident. Mm. <laughs> um, the guy who, we, the vehicle we were in, one of our close friends, um, on, the, on the way in, he reversed into a tree in one of those cutoffs where you, you're giving people space to drive past you. And as he was like backing up to get out of the cutoff, he rammed his nice expensive ute into a tree and dented the uh, the tail. Well, the taillight cracked and he also dented the tub um, as well. So that was like a bit upsetting for him. And then we also had a collision between two vehicles as well. Mm. And these guys drive like very expensive Ford Rangers, like 80K here. In Australia, we have what's called a luxury tax. And so over a certain value, um, or if you just purchase the luxury version of a vehicle, you get taxed with all of this heap more money because effectively the government's like, oh, well, if you can afford that car, you can afford to pay slightly more tax here and they're just scamming you with more money. But so some of like, I think, I think a Ford Ranger, the top end Ford Ranger in other countries probably is nowhere near as expensive as what it is here. So our friends have bought that, but they they were quite upset because we had a relatively big ding between two vehicles. Like the the crash itself wasn't big, but when the two cars collided, literally from the front panel, uh, passenger side, all the way back to the tub, every single panel had a scratch or a ding along it. And On so, both cars? Uh, one car was way worse than the other, but both cars had a fair bit. They kind of was like, there was a section where you've got a left-hand side and a, a right-hand side, and sometimes there's like space for you to overtake, yeah. right? But it's not really. It's more for just like allowing traffic to go either ways. And so these these sections come in little bursts, and the other driver in the other car who is part of our group, the thing is, is with the terrain, sometimes the right side's way smoother than the left side, so you, so you switch and we didn't realize he was gunning it to try and get past us, just having a bit of fun. Mm. And we were on the right side and we were merging over into the left side because it was a much smoother track. And as we were doing it, our, our friend was like gunning it for a bit of a laugh to get past us and just drilled us into the side of our car mm. and dinged it all up. And so there was a massive argument and feelings were hurt in, in some regards. And so that was an interesting part. Well, it's, it's also interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't attach to my car as much as I know the men in my life attach to their cars. Yeah, guys love cars. Guys do love cars. But I also think it's, it's kind of like a, you know, that uh, you see like there's like, oh, what's it called? Uh, there's, it, it's, a, there's, it's a pride thing. A metaphor for a guy having like a big car is like he's compensating for something, oh, yeah. or having like a luxury car is compensating for something. But I think the the it's almost as if the car you identify a, yeah, with the car. It's a representation of their personality in some sense, like they're showing yeah. who they are through the way they take care of something. Yes. So when you damage their car or you disrespect the car, you don't look after the car. It's taken personally sometimes because yeah. it's like this is me, this is my thing. Yeah. Whereas like if someone did dented my car, I would be annoyed, but I just be like, ah, eh, it's my car. <laughs> you <laughs> so know what I mean? True. But it could, if that was something else of mine that I valued, maybe I, it would be a different story. But yeah, boys and their toys, I suppose. Yeah, no, for sure. 
so that was that was an interesting bit of the trip um but yeah and then i'm covered in uh sand fly bites so on fraser island there's lots and lots and lots of sand flies and there's almost no way of escaping them i managed to like not have too many bites over the first couple days but anytime you're under the shade or you're not in the water they're trying to find you and so now I'm just itchy everywhere and I've got these little lumps all over my body from these sand flies biting me I'm painting this out to be you like are. a terrible you trip really you also I, when when they rocked up and dropped Chaz off they were like your name was mentioned a lot Oh, I was missing home so much. I really just wanted to be out there with my wife or back home with my wife. The whole time <laughs> I was just like, and, and I said to the boys at one point, because it was, it was supposed to be a boys trip. Um, the best part about camping was the fact that I missed home so much. Like getting home was such a satisfying feeling and I appreciate everything I have at home so much more from going out and just like living it rough for a while. So that is like a huge benefit. Um, but yeah, and by living it rough, I mean, literally digging a hole with a spade and pooping into a hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we like did have some luxuries like fresh water showers, obviously cold showers, but you got like a little pump that goes into a, a, a drum of contained water and you just click on the switch, but you got to have a quick shower cause you run out of water real quick and there's no fresh water nearby unless you want to drive hours. And when you drive on the beach to get anywhere or you're moving at slow pace, it's like really taxing on fuel because you've also, to make a smoother ride, you've let out the air in your tires. Otherwise, you get bogged in the sand. So you let out the air in your tires, which promotes more surface area on the sand, but it also means that there's way more friction for the car to move. So the cars that probably do like 11 Ks per 100 kilometers sorry 11 liters per 100 kilometers on like a normal highway are doing like 15 16 maybe on the sand right and then the cars also have to work relatively hard to get over bumps and things like that so like a lot of the time you're running higher rpms while driving so yeah fuel is a big one as well so you, no one's willing to go anywhere to get fresh water and things like that so what if you bring in with you, you it's got to last the whole time. Mm. Um, so that's interesting as well. But it was really pleasant. <laughs> Despite all that, it was really pleasant. No, it was pleasant. Like, it was really cool to get away from everything. Um, the, one of the big things I noticed was the sound of the land. Mm. Like, um, once we got away from, like, having music blasting all the time, because um, I definitely got sick of, like, the party party vibe. I just wanted to, like, be peaceful but you cut out the music, the sound of the cicadas and the way the wind blows. I, mm. I likened it to, because it sounded really familiar to me. And when I, if you just listened really, really hard, it almost sounded didgeridoo-like. And I was like, oh, indigenous people in some sense, I think were almost mimicking, mimicking the sounds of nature mm. and just amplifying it. And so like the didgeridoo in some way almost sounded like a, a cicada just constantly rhythming within the wind. And it was like, yo, 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 yo. And it was like a really pleasant, like peaceful noise mm. to hear. Um, and then you've obviously you got like the whoosh of the like waves in the background. It's actually interesting you say that because I was, so while Charles was away, each morning I would go out the back, I would ground my feet and I would just, I would just watch the backyard. So we have like a steep backyard with lots of trees and there's chickens and there's birds and, I just would notice I, at first I just noticed the different kinds of leaves on the trees and then this I could hear the sound of cars and then I could hear different sounds of birds and mm. I heard a, a particular bird and I don't know what type of bird it is but it made a sound it was like but it was like the way that it was done yeah I've heard people do that on a didgeridoo before yeah and I I, I just wanted to hear more of that sound I was yeah. like that is such a pleasant sound yeah and then it just made me want to be out there longer. Yeah. It's interesting how that's beautiful. And it, it, unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't have the pleasure of having a backyard that has so many trees and so many birds. But if you just go out to a park or, again, go camping to an island or somewhere where there's lots of nature and just be out in nature and be there. It's so beautiful. It's definitely something I haven't really thought to appreciate very much 
until that trip. And now I, I quickly realized that everywhere we go has a very unique sound, completely different to where you've been. Mm. And that's almost like the beauty of travel in some sense. But it's also what connects you to the feeling of home. But I think people are only experiencing that subconsciously. But if you actively go in and consciously think about that, like go outside at your house and just take note of the, the visceral sounds, even mm. if it's just traffic, right? But that kind of constant sound in the background that's always there is going to be what makes your home environment sound like home. Yeah. Even to the point of a certain smell that plants make um, will give you that visceral experience. And so that that's really cool. Um, but I almost felt like it transported me to like almost a different time where maybe indigenous people did roam the land and that's probably what it what it more sounded like rather than this like modern kind of vehicles and maybe even like construction noise. Mm. I'm like I, one thing like construction noise is one of the most like almost jarring, jarring vicious noises you can ever hear like yeah. the breaking of hard objects well, down. if you're close if you're far away it can actually so this is something that i've noticed as well it's we were talking in the car earlier about um observing your thoughts as opposed to like being i guess stuck in them in a way and we talked about in the sense how it can funnel you into like feeling certain things you don't want to feel and that's why people probably don't like thinking and they mm. put have music on all the time yeah. and things like that. But when you actively choose to sit outside, listen to the sounds and then don't try to attach – it's not just attaching to the sounds but attach judgment to the sounds. It Everything can sound beautiful. So oh, yeah. when I was out the back – I could hear all the beautiful, the things that my mind judged as beautiful. Birds, cicadas, the butterfly, not a butterfly near me. It was like a bee or something. And then I could hear the cars. And my first thought was like, oh, car noise, go away. It's kind of nice. But it actually, yeah, if you just relax into it, it's just like a nice little hum or a whoosh every now and then. Yeah, even just the sound of rubber rolling onto the... Uh, pavement is yeah. almost nice like if cars aren't particularly loud like that can almost sound like an ocean in some sense and and at the end of the day it's actually you're learning to meditate <laughs> and that's that exactly what that's you're what doing yeah yeah no you're not wrong but it's so it's so good for your mental health to be able to actually learn how to do that in my opinion yeah. no matter where you are you don't have to be out in nature you can literally be i do it in in the mornings what can i hear i can hear you typing I can hear the buzz of the xbox even if it's not on mm -hmm. I can hear people walking around upstairs and learning to not attach judgment to oh they're walking loud or oh that xbox is really annoying or I wish he'd stop typing just like surrendering I had this really interesting thought while out camping I was thinking about how if you were to remove your ability to speak like, for instance, let's say you're a deaf person. So a deaf person doesn't know what anything really sounds like. Mm -hmm. So it means that the way they communicate in their own mind has to be completely different because you don't know what words, what words even sound like. So the way you think mm -hmm. wouldn't be through words. And I was... I was pondering on how... Well, not the words in the way that we hear them and speak them. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear... Your own mind's thoughts would not be words. And well, they would be words to the person who's deaf. They in, might not be. Well, yeah, because that, how else do they Let me finish my point. So they might not be words, right? If, if you didn't understand language or you didn't speak English or any kind of language, what would be in your mind is my question. And so we, we speak through language and that is almost like a filtering of our thought. But it, your thoughts can only be filtered so much and in some sense, it's reducing your intellect because you can only vocalize so much of what your intellect is trying to say. But if you were a deaf person, for instance, I, I think, I mean, it's just a hypothesis, I think you would experience the world around you 
in almost the more of a feeling rather than this constant chatter in your mind. Like when we're judging things, the way you were like talking about the judgment of what's going on, you're constantly like having this voice that's giving your thoughts direction. But if you can remove the voice and just only have thoughts, what is that space? And it's really hard to like conceptualize, but I almost think there's like an untapped potential if you could just only be intention, you could almost view the world in a different way. And I think perhaps maybe indigenous people were able to almost uniquely listen and hear their environment in a different way to which we perceive our environment because they might not have had like writing and such like really cognitive heavy ways of identifying things around them. Well, yeah. Like in, for instance, they paint, right? They paint with pictures and things like that. So everything kind of had this like. There was meaning to the pictures without yes. using words. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, it's really hard to explain, but I, I try and just like think of it almost like a lens and you've got this like microscope lens and you're beaming your attention onto things. And when you beam your attention onto things and then you try and add words onto it, it almost dilutes what you're trying to look at because your words can't quite explain everything. But if you were just to be there and just watch, you probably understand far more than what you can actually say is what I'm getting at. Mm. And I think that's just such an interesting concept because people I, I, I think are scared to be alone with their own thoughts they're scared to know what they might uncover in just their own mind. And so almost we almost fill our world with judgment, with music, with all these things that distract us from just the, the feeling in your head. And so if you can somehow like be with that feeling and, and creates this like sense of meditative peace, I think that's maybe what Buddhist monks perhaps reach. Mm. but the, uh, yeah a world without words it doesn't well buddhist monks still feel angry at each other at their own monks and they still feel all these things but it's about how quickly they can come back to being in a state of observation and not throwing that anger around and you know letting it go and surrendering to the present moment kind of how what you were saying but i I understand what you mean about how deaf people, they might potentially, especially if they're like 100% deaf, might potentially be more in their feelings as opposed to their thoughts because they're not clouded with so many different words that they've attached judgmental meaning to that continue to make the anger grow. So, but it's hard to say because we're not deaf, so... Yeah, I don't even mean it from like an anger perspective. It could be any feeling. Well, I'm just, I, that's yeah. just an example that I was using. Yeah, I don't know. I think I need to think about it more, but I, I was trying to conceive a world in my mind of what would exist without words. Because um, I, I, I keep always thinking about, and I know it's not the literal meaning of what the text in the Bible means, but there's like the Bible kind of starts with, first was the word and the word was God, right? And But like, effectively in the translation the word is god but i was like it's almost like the chicken and egg so it's like so first was there was there was a word and the word was god right but so does that mean anytime you think of something like let's say you come up with a word for something did that thing already exist or the th- or the word makes it exist it's or were they concept. looking in a mirror and it actually was dog dog <laughs> yeah i don't know i think i got on a bit of attention you did there and i was like can i talk now <laughs> um but this kind of leads on to what i actually wanted to talk about so later in the podcast i actually wanted to mention this earlier but i couldn't get a word in um, oh, sorry. is that we uh, we're gonna play a game at the end where we ask each other questions because well we were asked to do it again but this is one of the things we did in our first ever episode together and it was really fun it was like a really get to know you kind of question game um and a little saucy as well but where I wanted to go with this was 
talking about choosing your own energy. So we kind of touched on this with, you know, the meditative thing. Um, and when I, when I say energy, the best way I can describe it to people is like when you say, oh, the vibe in here is weird. Or I didn't like, I didn't like the feeling of that person. That is energy. That's vibe. And to me, your energy is created by the thoughts that you man- like manifest in your head. And I don't mean manifest like, oh my God, I made it appear. It's like manifest is in creating. Like what kind of thoughts, what kind of energy are you creating by the thoughts that you're using in yeah. your head? Are they positive? Are they negative? Are they sad? Are they angry? Yeah. And it... What, it, again, that's again that's the like the judgment that you put on happy? on the words as well yeah so sometimes emotions can start in my head with your thoughts where your thoughts are trailing to your thoughts can trigger an emotion yeah you if you stay stuck with those thoughts and you stay stuck with those emotions actively choosing that then you're going to be in this like loop and a cycle that just eventually expands and and you end up being in that kind of mood you end up becoming that yeah, you're embodying, yeah. embodying that. Yeah, and that's what's meant by manifestation. Yeah. Like you, you will become whatever you expose yourself to regularly. We, yeah. And we were kind of tying this into, we think it's super interesting how people watch like really intense crime shows or horror movies. Or like, especially like true crime. Yeah. <laughs> and just like a lot of the time, most people digest that kind of content in the evening, right before bed. And it's like, how do you, like, I I know personally, and Ashley will also attest to this, how do you even, like, try and get yourself into a state where you can sleep comfortably after exposing yourself to such high-intense, anxiety-driven content? Like, you're literally giving yourself an adrenaline almost spike and putting yourself into this state of stress before you try and go to sleep. It's so silly. But you're and you're also <coughs> like this was a, a sorry about that. We're both dying right now. Yeah. Um, you're gonna have to excuse the sniffles and the coughs. <laughs> um it was interesting, like I, I pointed out an observation while having a morning coffee together. I was like, most people that I I've met who expose themselves to like a lot of horror movies and things like that. I'd probably consider their mental state overall as not being optimal healthy. or healthy. Like, it's very obvious they've got something kind of off going on. Or that they struggle with anxiety or stress or sleep. Yes. And so, like, the uh, Buddhist version of that is called right thought, right? And what you expose yourself to will inevitably find its way into your conscience and consciousness. consciousness, yeah, and you'll you'll effectively fill yourself with whatever that is, and mm-hmm. and those kinds of things are essentially negative things. You don't want to fill yourself constantly with those. I'm not saying stop watching like fun thriller movies or things like that, but the timing in which you watch them is very important. Like Ashley and I will not watch a thriller movie or an intense movie like that, unless it's during the day and we can like work out that afternoon or some way to like remove ourselves and process that anxiety we just gave ourselves. And it might even give you like extra juice maybe in your workout session, but it's silly to expose yourself to it all the time. You shouldn't. Um, Yeah. In my opinion, you're not meant. You're not built to do that. That's built for emergencies only. You know what I mean. And I think some people too. I did read somewhere. So I, I actually was the body keeps the score, and I was listening about trauma and how trauma people who have experienced intense traumas or just any trauma really, they tend to feel better by recreating the events, but in a way that they make it out safely this time Mm. or things like that. So for your brain, yes, that might be slightly beneficial, but for your body and your overall for your brain and your mind, it's not, it's not helpful at all. Um, And I forgot where I was going to go with that. I don't know. I don't want to say that you're talking about exposure therapy, exposure therapy in some sense. Then. Yeah, it is your your body, your mind naturally wants to expose you to things like that. 
That's actually a really interesting concept. Like, I wonder if you are someone who experienced, like, some severe trauma, whether you could possibly, like, slowly build your tolerance to that trauma by perhaps watching certain things that are with, like, put you almost in that state, and well, like, willingly. And, like, you, so, like, maybe you have a fear of heights, right? And just, like, watching, watching. people on really high buildings. And slowly, like, eventually it'll get you to the point where you can be in a high tower, yeah. Or something like that. Well, no one's doing that in a way that's actually helpful. So for me, lying in bed, imagining someone coming in to like attack me and assault me f- and uh, ways that I can escape, that, ne- it, f- sure, for my mind, oh, I know how to escape now. No, I don't. Mm. I'm not actually in that situation. I don't know actually if that could happen. And it all it did was make me more stressed and anxious and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep by myself. I couldn't be alone at night. And it wasn't until I learned like techniques of how to create like a calm mental space, observant mm. mental space, how to activate my sympathetic nervous system, which is like your rest and digest and you know breathing techniques and all of that that I actually was able to be alone at night and sleep well at night like you going camping I never a year ago I wouldn't have been able to do that Mm. and it does help that we have people at home but to my body it doesn't matter that people are home because I'm in my own space and it would take them time to get to me anyway yeah so yeah so that being able to be in a calm mental space for me, I didn't realize until being with you and how you don't watch horror movies, how much not consuming that content has actually really benefited me in so many ways. And it doesn't mean that we can't watch like psychological thrillers and things like that. It just means it's so rare that we watch those things because you do at the end of the day have to understand all the media that you consume affects your, your subconscious, whether you're, so you have your conscious thought, which is what you're actively thinking, and then your subconscious thought, which is stuff that's in the background. So your brain has a, the reticular activating system, which I've talked about before, where it's it's consuming like millions of bits of information each mm. second, and it actively chooses what it wants to store, what it wants what it wants to focus on, really, what what it wants to put in the background, and what yeah. it wants to delete. And so when you're the things that you're storing and in the background, you don't actually aren't entirely aware of what you're storing. It's very also like beneficial for your mind to store things that make you feel like a really dangerous experience because it does like your body doesn't want to die. Mm -hmm. So your mind, like if you're, if you've watched a horrible movie and I'm sure we can all attest to this, like for me, it's like supernatural movies, Mm. just give me the heebie-jeebies, I wouldn't be able to sleep properly for a couple of weeks after watching like a really like intense supernatural movie. Mm -hmm. And that's because my body's gone into such a strong fear response that I can't forget it Mm. because it thinks that I'm actually in real danger. And so therefore it permanents it into the back of my memory. And there's like, I remember paranormal activity like weirdly well when I watched that when I was 14 and I haven't, I've watched it once and I watched it at the cinema and it scarred me. I had, when every time I have my one leg outside the sheet, (laughs) I think of, I think of a scene from that movie. Oh yeah, when it bites him. Oh, when it like And it grabs him eventually. I already feel anxious Uh, when it like pulls her. But so to me... I get to choose what I want to believe. And when we watch those movies, yes, you can look at it and go, oh, they're acting or they're stunts. But there's in the back of your mind, there is some part of you that's like, oh, maybe this could be real. And that's the thrill of it too. But that's what creates that you can't sleep at night. Yeah. And some people believe like, oh, I can watch that and then go to sleep. But there are going to be ways that you're affected that you don't even realize that you're affected in. Yeah, you like you might think you're sleeping well, but like I, I personally think when I see those people, I'm like yeah, you don't look like you slept well. Mm. Like you thought you slept well, but you got bags under your eyes. You're depressed. Yeah, like those things are manifesting in other ways. Yeah, um, you're like you're you're always thinking of the negatives. Like a great example is, um, I think I've told the story before, but that time. I saw a lady who had a suitcase and she was waiting for a taxi and she'd been waiting there for an hour and a half. This is the best story. I'm so proud of you for this as well. So I stopped in. I dropped Chaz off at the city. I st- Traffic's crazy. 
I stop in at this petrol station. I see a lady standing there on the phone, but she's not talking. And I go, oh, I wonder if she knows traffic's bad. I'll go tell her. Traffic was, by the way... Terrible. 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 So I was like, I'm going to go tell her because she's probably going to be stuck here for a while. Go into the toilet. I come back out. I, I, I She's still on the phone. Chaz is nearly dying. Um, and then I... I ask her, I'm like, are you waiting for somebody? And she says that she's been waiting on the phone for a taxi for an hour and a half. And I said, well, I've called a taxi before and two hours later it still hadn't showed up. And on top of that, traffic is absolutely hectic. It's taking me this long to get here from the city. And um, she she was saying she didn't realise this airport transfer that she'd gone didn't drop her at her house. And she's trying to get to her son's house in Caboolture. I was like, oh, I'm going there if you want to lift. And there was not a single part of me that was nervous in that moment. And if I was to continue watching horror movies and psychological thrillers all the time, I wouldn't have dared ask her because I would just would have thought of the negatives. So mm. she got, she's, she's like, are you sure? She's probably sizing me up because I'm tiny. She's like, yeah, I can take this bitch if she tries to attack me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, I... So I help her out, get her in the car, talking. In the car, I have a, a bit of a freak-out moment, like one moment where my thought goes, what if she does try to attack me right now? Mm. But I actively chose to let go of that thought, take some deep breaths, and just listen to what she was saying. And at the end of the day, she was a nurse for mental health workers. She she was telling me all these stories, which told me that she was a very kind and gentle person. Yeah. And I was able to come out of that. But when I got home and I told her, and I think one of your family members, like an ex- extended family member was here, and I told them that story, they went straight to the negative. They're yeah, like, they're like you could have been murdered. killed. Yeah. You could have been murdered. Or you could have been someone trying to trick them yeah. into, like all these scenarios went through that person's head yeah. of ways of of true crime stories yeah. that they had heard or horror movies that they'd watched. So perfect example of how media is like in a sense pushing people away from each other. Like yeah. people are no longer seeing the good in humanity. Their immediately instinct is to assume people are like the worst of people, which is a really sad thing in some sense. Yeah. And it's also a people's disconnection from their own intuition. They don't trust their bodies. They don't trust their intuition. I'm I'm very connected with my intuition and trying to decipher between fear and intuition can be a little bit hard as well. But there was just part of me that knew in that moment, I'm, this is, this is the kind, loving thing to do. And I'm not in danger. Yeah. If it was a male, to be honest with you, I don't think I would have. Yeah. Unless it was a little boy, like little boy, but yeah. Yeah. Which is fair enough. I like. I completely understand that. I think I would feel a bit weird if you you picked up a male just out of your own safety. Mm. Um, but that's like a, also a sad thing in some sense as well. Like, I would love to. Ninety nine percent of men are gonna be completely fine. When I do see people that are, you know, men that look like they're walking in extreme heat or in the rain, my instinct is to go. I want to help that person. I want to give him a lift, but I don't because. To me, if I if I don't have a male with me in the yeah. car, I'm not yeah. going to. I'm quite scared. Yeah. But the fact that I have that instinct shows that, like, that's a, a an innate part of humanity that wants to give to their community and kindness. And I don't think a lot of people have those thoughts. And that's not that you're not a kind person. But to me, that could be a lot of the media that you've brought on, the beliefs that you've formed around... I think Strangers. people have the thought and they dismiss it very quickly. Yeah. And I, like, I've experienced that. And I've, I've told you about them as well. I would be, there was a homeless person in Adelaide when we were in Adelaide and she came up to me and she was like really frantic and she really wanted money. And she came in such an intense way that like it was very off-putting to me and I just wanted to get away from her. But after it, I, like, I felt really bad because I, I wanted to give her money and I dismissed the doing it. Mm. And so it lingered with me for a bit and I, I like, but it was interesting how quickly I dismissed the idea. Um, that's really interesting that when you said intuition, I think that's what I'm trying to describe when I say, what would the world be like? What would your thoughts be without words? It's intuition. Mm. I think we've lost that. I think that is like almost like a sense that we have as a race slowly become so head heavy and so logical about things that we've lost our ability to trust 
the hunch, the gut feeling, intuition. Uh, that You just had gave me the biggest click moment when you said that. Intuition is exactly what I'm trying to describe. It's even even to the degree. Now, when you say intuition, people think it's a bit woo-woo. Um, but... It is woo-woo in a sense, but it's like it's a, it's a sense that we've forgotten <laughs> about because it's real. People do feel like, especially like the perfect example is when things go bad, you can literally almost like your body feels the tension in the air. People like everyone can relate to that. If something's gone terribly wrong, everyone immediately feels that like intensity of like the fear. But that that is also a positive side of it. You can feel that with joy and happiness when you see people laughing and smiling. Well, yeah, people also don't know how to decipher between what is irrational fear and what is intuitive fear. Yeah. And the reason that people think in to intuition is woo-woo is because Anything that isn't like a structured, physical, or a system or systematic is woo-woo. If it's not law, it's woo-woo. Because, and this is where I get into stuff, you, you have like that masculine-feminine structure. The masculine is like very logical, rules, straightforward, um, and the feminine is feelings and intuition and trust and th- things like that. So... We are very, and that's what it means when uh, it gets taken astray, but like a patriarchal society yeah. is the Industrial Revolution created this very structured, systematic, removed from feeling, removed from intuition, removed from our our like cyclical clock mm-hmm. society. And so bringing back some of that like quote-unquote femininity of the intuition is really important and it's really important for women. A lot of the stories I've been reading around, so my friend being pregnant got me really interested in learning about like women's bodies and, and things like that and childbirth should be an intuitive process but we've put systems around it to say um, – it is painful as well and you do have to have compassion for women and it's beautiful that we have the choice for like pain relief and we should be able to trust our own bodies. It blew my mind when like we recently found out that hospitals, uh, when they say like uh, like most people don't go into labour, labour's induced these days. But it can be, yeah. It, and so like to me that's just like <laughs> such an out outrageous thing like I did I didn't I wasn't even aware of that but like because we have like a a time scale that we we have to stick to um because otherwise hospitals don't run at the most possible efficient way right to make the most money what they do is they coerce women into having their babies at a certain designated time even though their body's not going into labor yet and so they purposely induce labor through drugs or they a lot of the time will encourage women to have a c-section because again they make money off cutting you open right that's a lot of hospitals money is like surgeons cutting people that's their business they want to cut you they bring their grimy little hands on you it's like it's yeah like you think of it as like such an ethical practice and in some sense there's uh, there's uh, there's a reason why there's so many ethical rules built into doctors uh, philosophy, because if you didn't have those ethical rules, those guys would just be cutting people left, right, and center for every single reason, mm. right? You have to have those rules to govern those people. And it's sad. Like I, I was, I was almost sad in a sense that like my wife, when she go, gets pregnant, she's going to be pushed by all of these people we deem as professionals for her to induce her labor earlier than it needs to be. Perhaps my, re- my baby or my child isn't quite ready to come out yet. Maybe they need an extra week or two in the womb, but because there's a time scale in which they want to efficiently do something in order to make the most money possible out of pe- birthing people as often as possible, that um, that that's gonna possibly happen. And so, like, I hope when we have kids that we uh, hold strong and we just wait for when the labor comes on and the onset of it, and then we'll give birth when the baby's ready. And there's no reason why you can't go to the hospital once labor's happening. But a lot of the time, what we've kind of discovered is people who do wait tend to have far faster childbirths than people who are being induced because they're ready to give birth at that point. Yeah. And that's not always going to happen perfect. But the baby's ready. The body's ready. Yeah. It's, it's, 
even in the sense of like when contractions are happening, that's the body that if you trust your body enough, you can understand that that's your signal for, uh, that baby is ready. Right. And then as, as you get closer to a, the, the end point that that's your body telling you, okay, let's push now. Mm. And when you trust the pain and trust your body and you relax into the pain, the stories I've read where women have been able to like lean into that eventually within like three pushes, the baby can come out. That's after some time, like, you know, resisting the pain and things like that. Mm. But even in, in talking about intuition and trusting your body, when you get a headache or you get a sore neck, right? Your body is trying to tell you something. There's something that you're doing or that is not. Or your environment's inflicting on you. Yes, exactly. That's not right. And so a lot of the time we just want to dull the pain. Let's have a Nurofen. Let's have a Panadol. Get rid of that. Instead, we should be asking, okay, body, what are you trying to tell me? You're trying to tell me like maybe my posture is terrible. Or maybe I'm under really high amounts of stress right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's so many things. Yeah. I could go on and on and on about that topic, to be quite honest with you. But we are running low on time and I do want to play a game. Yes, we'll play the game. So I'm going to get up some questions. Hopefully it keeps recording. I think I've done this before. It's hard to... Yeah, it's still recording. Cool. All right, so... Let's pick a question. Date night questions. Yeah, we're going to call this date night questions because our first podcast was called date night and now this whole podcast has turned into a date night. So <laughs> The Chazanash date night. What? Okay, so question one. What's something I do that mm-hmm. you hate? Oh, I think that these <laughs> Oh. Uh, no, no, I actually don't really like, there's not many things that we've, our relationships become so good. Um, okay, well, uh, as of re- the last couple of months, maybe more than that. Um, months is probably, it probably needs to extend to like, maybe like the last six months. I feel like we've really peaked mm. in, in our, like the functionality of our relationship. It also helps that I'm on holidays right now. So there's not really much external stress being inflicted on us. And we have a nice balance, you know what I mean? Like the fact that I don't work a full-time job means that like you can come home and I'm not putting my stress on you. We and- we have a very, very, very good understanding of the roles in which we play in each other's relationship. Mm. And that allows so much fluidity um, to it. I'm going to have to really think about this one. All right, I can... Let's rephrase the question. What's something that I do that just like annoys you? Oh, man, I can't even think of anything that. Why? This should be easy. I can't. <laughs> like, it is not. I, yeah, I don't know. You don't really get on my nerves very often. Mm. When was the last time you got on my nerves? Can you even remember? Um, earlier when I kept interrupting you about your. <laughs> about your talk about deaf people and their thoughts and I was just throwing ideas and you were like let me explain oh yeah yeah, yeah. that didn't annoy me but that annoyed you okay uh, if you say so it used to be okay my my gripe would be um when you leave food on your plates and you don't put it into the bin and so like I'll get to go into dishes because like I I've, lately I've been doing a lot of dishes and I can't stand it when the dishes aren't just be ready to be cleaned. Like mm. you've just left like a chunk of steak or something on a plate or you've, or the other one is you've cleaned off all of them into the sink instead of the bin. And so there's just chunks in, in the sink. Oh, okay. That makes me want to eat my fist. That's probably my, but that's like such a trivial thing. And anytime I see it, I said, I always say to myself, I was like, be the change you want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Gandhi. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, do you want to pick a question for me? <laughs> I, it's funny because I don't... Um, I didn't do that while you were away, funnily enough. <clears throat> Maybe I subconsciously do it just to aggravate you. Who knows? All right, this one's an interesting one. When was the last time you thought you might die? What made you feel that way? When was the last time I thought I might die? 
when you went away camping. <laughs> um, uh, I can't say I actively We're have, safe, have ever believed that I was going to die. Sends her back into some kind of like trauma state. It's and probably another year of therapy. <laughs> it was probably when I had that whooping cough jab. To be honest, yeah. I it was I I was getting. I had a migraine, I had full body aches, and I, I couldn't... Yeah, you were fevering and everything. I was fevering. Yeah. It wasn't... And it, I've, I've had that before in in the in COVID and in a flu before. But this one was extended. This was extended. It was so intense. I yeah. felt like I couldn't make logical sense of the world. And that was when I was like... I, had a, I think I had a fleeting moment where I was like, am I going to die? <laughs> like what what if this, yeah. this is the thing that actually kills me yeah it's possible yeah that's a it's definitely like when you get that sick it, it i've had those thoughts cross my mind as well yeah they're, they're slightly scary thought it's fleeting you're like ah surely not but like at the back of your mind you're like i'm not supposed to feel this way <laughs> but it's a possibility right <laughs> yeah i kept kept going this too shall pass this too shall pass this too shall pass <laughs> yes that's a great saying i really enjoy that one yeah i remember that on my grade nine drama teachers um wrist and tattooed on her wrist yeah i was someone, like what the fuck does that mean who's gone through some stuff yeah she was cool but she was yeah, really no, cool really. most drama teachers tend to be like a little bit edgy and cool in some sense i can see like some people probably don't like that kind of vibe as well oh you want to go you want to do a heavy one sure uh maybe i don't want to do it oh okay <laughs> next one. Oh no i'll ask it but okay yeah the people want it now so you can't the tease pe- them like that Give the people what they want. It's provocative. What's the worst thing you've done in a relationship? Oh, God. Um, I honestly reckon the worst thing I've done in a relationship is before you. Um, but I was just like constantly running away from the relationship. Mm. I was just partying all the time. I didn't want to include my like girlfriend in my social life because... I just found her so annoying in some sense in in that I was being judged mm. and I couldn't be the wild person I wanted to be. And so it's, it's like it's not really her fault in some sense. You had different um, expectations of each other. Yeah, and I just wasn't really ready. Even though I like I, I obviously wanted a long-term relationship, but I wasn't ready for that kind of long-term relationship. And so... In some sense, I was almost jeopardizing the whole thing by just, like, being so crazy. And, like, she was very patient with me in that sense as well. Mm -hmm. We're very comfortable with each other. Um, It's interesting to me, like, that could have possibly been, like, how I just lived the rest of my life. Yeah. And maybe eventually matured. I don't know. But um, it would have been, like, I think I, 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 I had done too much damage throughout that time for it to be like a long-term relationship that wasn't full of turmoil. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I like I definitely have like a, a feeling of, of regret in the fact that I wasn't kind enough or thoughtful enough to the person that I was supposed to be loving at that point yeah. in time. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, avoiding and running away and <clears throat> all those lovely things, which people still do to their partners, you know. <laughs> okay, what's the weirdest way you've earned money and how much did you get? The weirdest way I've earned money. You've had like a lot of weird gigs. I've had some weird gigs. Oh yeah, okay. I've got a, I've got a couple. Um there's there was this app that you could it's kind of like mystery shopping where you could go into Coles yeah. and they would say they'd say go, go to the nearest Coles get look for this item on the shelves where is it on the shelf like yeah. what shelf is it on what is it next to mm. is it front facing like there was so many specific questions that was like so strange that you wouldn't even think about yeah. like um is it with 
the other almond milks or is it below the oat milk? Like, <laughs> and uh, what would you rate the placement of this item on the shelf? I'm like, I don't know, five? Like, <laughs> This isn't Ashley's peak hustle phase. Like, you were doing anything to make money. I was doing anything to make money. And and so those gigs, they didn't make, a, they w- didn't give me a lot of money. Yeah, how much it, would you get for doing it? You would, you would be like out shopping. You'd be like, I may as well earn like a few bucks here. Or if I was, if I had absolutely nothing to do at home, I'd just stop in at Coles and then yeah. go home or on the way to get something else. But it was, uh, I, the most I think I earned, one was really good actually. It was for Muffin Break. Yeah. It was, you earned, I think you earned $5 and a free coffee. <laughs> so you just go in, you look at the muffins on their shelf. Is this muffin available? Yes or no? Muffin wasn't there. So all I had to say was no, and a, and a, and a. I got a free coffee and $5. Yeah. So that was like the little beneficial things there. You see the level of like coin she's trying to like scrape together as well. I was all like from an outside perspective. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's my new outro. (laughs) 